So we are in a question series. We are in question uh, four, so the fourth most requested question, but the third one, and that is, what role does the New Testament play in the modern time? That's a, that's a big question. Uh, so we're going to kind of go through that a little bit. I'm just going to go ahead and let you guys know, these are going to stay blank. So when we do scripture, if you got your Bible, get it ready. If you got your phone, get it ready. Uh, and as you do that, I do want to kind of give a quick congratulations to a couple that just got married. That is Jordan and Jenna. They just got married on the 13th. So congratulations to you guys for that. Congratulations. Ten days ago. Thank you guys for that. So yeah, um, again, I'm going to be talking on what role the New Testament has in the modern time. And um, I do want to just start off with like a pre-apology. I'm not apologizing because I think I'm going to hurt anybody's feelings. Like I'm not going to go Rambo and attack anybody. But I realize I'm talking about the Old Testament. And this is something that people have either lived with their entire Christian faith journey or, and there's generations who have different beliefs and thoughts. And, and I know I'm probably on accident going to step on someone's toes. And that's not what this is. I'm not going to try and be attacking. I'm going to give you kind of my thoughts on it um, and kind of what Jesus' thoughts on it are as well, which are the most important thoughts. I think we can agree on that. Uh, but before we get into actually answering the question, I am going to do a little bit of of like Bible basics of what is the Old Testament. So uh, first and foremost, if you got a Bible, it's a collection of books of history, right? It's a book of history. The New Testament is full of a lot of these things called letters to specific churches, whereas the Old Testament kind of has a lot more stuff to do, first and foremost, on the laws that were given to the Israelites, but also it has books of poetry, it has songs, it has really cool epics, like stories of like wars, and it gives us the context of who God is at that time. Um, there's two different, well, there's a bunch of different kind of Bibles. This particular, I'm talking about like the Protestant Bible, so I'm going to be a real nerd for a second, and I'm going to explain how, because there's 39 books in the Old Testament, how they ended up in our Old Testament. Uh, that's through something called the canonization process, which I love because if you've seen the new Spider-Man movie, there's this thing called canon events, right? So at the end of the day, canon just means like measuring. It actually refers to like this reed that grew on the side of the riverbanks that they used as rulers. So it was like a caliper, basically. And um, it just means like something that is consistent. So the Old Testament was, was gathered with one thing in mind, and it was how does it focus in on? Who does it focus in on? What does it focus in on? And that's God. If it doesn't focus in on God, it wasn't put in the Bible. That's why there's some books that you're like, well, what about these books? Like the Apocrypha has these really great historical books called the Maccabees that give a really, really good context into the morale state of the Jewish people right before Jesus came. But they're not in our Bible because they don't focus in on God's greater story. And the guys that did that were these really smart guys, and they argued for a really long time. And we're not going to get into church history, but that's a whole side thing. But that's kind of the basics of the Old Testament. That's how it got put together. Um, a big thing with the Old Testament is realizing that uh, there's another word for it. It's called covenant. So you have the Old Covenant, and then you have the New Covenant, and the thing that divides that 
is, on the count of three, ready, one, two, three, Jesus. Thank you. Yeah, Jesus divides the Old Testament. Good participation. Everybody get a, get, get a piece of candy. Just kidding. <laughs> it divides the Old Testament from the New Testament, or Old Covenant from the New Covenant, covenant being a contract, which is where I get into the question of how does the Old Testament affect me in the modern time, which is I really think is like the real question being asked is like, if there's an old contract and a new contract, why am I even, why do I care about this old contract, right? Like if you had an apartment and you had a contract and then you got a new contract with the landlord, but you listened to the old contract, you would not be making payments on the right dates, you wouldn't be making payments in the right amount, why? Because it's the old way things were done. But there's still value, there's still important things that you can get out of that old uh, contract. The first thing, and this goes back to the Old Testament, is it gives us context. The Old Testament gives us context in a broad degree of ways. So the first one being historically, right, it paints a picture of what the Israelites went through, uh, what the beginning of creation was like, or the stories of it was like. And uh, I think more importantly, really, when we look from our perspective, is it gives us context of the character of God. It shows us who God was. And I know I say that to people who have read the Old Testament, and they hear or they think about some pretty crazy things that happened in the Old Testament. And my job here is not to defend God. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to try and tell you that those are okay when they're not. I don't know how to explain those. I think those are other sermons that need to be said. But I do think the big point is, and Andy Stanley is the guy on this. He basically says this. He says, just because there's something that you might be hung up in the Old Testament, I don't believe that's enough to throw out the entirety of the Bible, especially when we get into the context that we have as um, new covenant believers that being Jesus. So let's go ahead and let's hop in to Matthew 5. It's going to be 17 through 21. Again, that's Matthew 5, 17 through 21. Uh, any version's good. I'm reading out of the New International Reader's Version because I read the Bible to kids. I find that's the best one. Also, parents, two things as you're looking that up. Best Bible, I think, for kids is New International Reader's Version. Also, they're having root beer floats over there, so they're going to be a little jazz when you get them. So I should have told you beforehand. So, yeah, I was like, I need to help my volunteers out root beer floats. Let's make their life way better. So, yeah, uh, we good, everybody? Show of hands. I, I work with kids. Show of hands who's found it, if they're ready. Okay, cool. Here we go. I have dyslexia, so I'll turn my best. Don't at me. Here we go. Matthew 5, 17 through 20. Do not think, this is Jesus' words, do not think I have come to get rid of what is written in the law or the prophets. I have not come to do this. Instead, I have come to, this is very important, fulfill what is written. What I'm about to tell you is true. Heaven and earth will disappear before the smallest letter disappears from the law. Not even the smallest mark of a pen will disappear from the law until everything is completed. Do not ignore even one of the least important commands. Yeesh. And do not teach others to ignore them. 
if you do, this is when Jesus gets kind of spicy, honestly. Like, he starts, like, going for people's necks. If you do, you will be called the least important person in the kingdom of heaven. Instead, practice and teach these commands. Then you will be called important in the kingdom of heaven. Here is what I tell you. You must be more godly than the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. If you are not, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. And then I have a great example. We're just going to hop down, just hop down, still five, but we're going to go to 27 and 28. So 27 and 28 reads like this. It says, you have heard that it, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. Ex- Exodus 20, 14. So he's actually pulling from the Old Testament right there. But here is what I tell you. Do not even look at a woman in the wrong way. Anyone who does has already committed adultery with with her heart in his hand, or whatever, sorry. Uh, Let me read that the right way. Anyone who does has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Matthew 27 and 28. Why that is important and why they decided to add that in there is because of the context, context that brings. It brings all of the context we need for 17 through 20, which is this. Y'all have lived your whole life trying to check off these laws, which are where where we're going to focus in on, because I really feel like the law is the thing that people focus in on the most on the Old Testament. There's 613 laws that they had to, uh, the Israelites had to kind of follow. Most of them were things that they couldn't do. Um, So they were focusing on checking off all these boxes. Then Jesus says this. He says, basically with that scripture, there's 613 laws, but there's 614, 15, 16, a million ways you can get around those laws. And whenever you're just focusing in on the laws, you're missing the bigger picture. You're missing why God even gave us the laws in the first place. God gave us these laws because he was trying to establish what how I say to the kids, what makes his heart happy, right? He was trying to say, because you have this freedom now, I need to give you some things to show you the right and wrong way to live, just like how parents will establish rules in their household, right? And actually, side note to that, um, adherence to the law in the Israel, like in the Israeli community was seen as one of the first pieces of like fearing the Lord, which you know is a weird phrase, fearing the Lord, um, an example for that is like, if you have kids, or I'll say this, you got, everybody got parents. When your parents, when you were a kid, would say, hey, maybe don't play on the side of the pool, you're going to slip, fall, and hurt yourself, and you listen to your parents, that's because you realize, oh, they kind of know more than me, and they really are saying this out of me not getting hurt. That's kind of the same context of fearing the Lord kind of has for the Israelites, is they see who God is, they see that he has good things for them, and even if it's things that are taking fun away, they realize it's ultimately It's wisdom being kind of given to them to make a better decision and a better choice. So to get back, sorry, that was ADHD moment. To get back, to get the train back going, um, what Jesus was saying here was this. Look at people. Love people. He has fulfilled the law. And I'm going to go get a prop real quick. Give me one second. I have cake mix. This is a $2, which is kind of crazy for cake mix. Cheapest one. This is kind of the best way I like to think of the law, is this box of cake mix. So there's a goal at the end of this, and it's to eat a cake, right? It's to have cake. 
but there's instructions on the back of this box for how we have to make that cake. And you gotta follow them, right? You gotta follow the instructions on the back of the box or else you're not gonna get that delicious looking thing or this delicious looking cake, right? And so that's, this is Old Testament, right? Follow the instructions to make the cake. Got another problem. This is a cake. This is New Testament. Sorry. This is New Testament. What's the difference here? You don't have to follow the rules to make this, right? I'm not saying don't listen to the law. The law is fulfilled. The difference here is this is works-based. You've got to do something to get this. Here's a piece of cake. Jesus made this when he fulfilled. He fulfilled the law. He is the cake. Our job is ultimately just to do one thing. It's to open up the box. I apologize for the sound. To pull out a slice and ask somebody, would you like a piece of cake? Right? It changes the role completely. From making the cake, our job is just to give the cake away. Right? How do we do that? This is when I go into my spiel that I talk about every time I come up on the stage because it's so important to me. We, I say it two ways to the kids. It's love God and love others. And then I give a little context to most people that I feel like helps in this. Don't cause other people regret, right? Like, like don't do things that cause you or other people regret. And that really helps with this idea of loving God and loving people. Because when we can do those things and we love God and we love others, we are fulfilling the law. Because Jesus fulfilled it. Jesus fulfilled the law. We don't have to worry about all of the nitty-gritty, this one and this one and this one. But, and this is, this is the catch. This is the catch. It, it, doesn't, it isn't in this version, but there's another version of the Bible that says it better. Jesus says, I did not come to abolish the law. So that means that it doesn't disappear. It's not gone. It's not something that has, that has been eradicated from our life. It is just, like I was saying earlier, it has been added to. It is so much more. It is thinking about how our actions are ultimately affecting the people around us. And so the thing that I would like to just focus in on today is how do we share the cake? Where do we share the cake? Why do we share the cake? Easiest one is the last one. I share the cake because the cake was shared with me, right? Through my story is I grew up in the church, so my parents put me in church. They allowed me to learn and glean and understand who God is and Jesus was. I had a quick little stint where I decided that I grew up too close to this. I need to take a step back and look at it. I realized I hated that world, and I came back. And I was like, you know what? I like this world. I like who Jesus is. He is real in my life. I had some crazy, crazy, you wouldn't believe me, crazy experiences that, like, whenever I'm ready to quit, I have these evidential proof of God in my life where it's like, I can't say no to that. One of the things was, like, I had a really destroyed ankle, and it just got healed. And it's the most amazing and frustrating thing ever because there's moments when you're like, I kind of just want to say God isn't real and walk away. But then I realized that I had my ankle healed, and it's like, well, there's evidence right there. Every single time I decide, I decide to say no, it's like, well, I can't say no. You know, I can't do the easy thing. 
which is another great side point going back to why the law was created in the first place, is I don't know about you guys, but whenever I'm like in an exercise program, if I'm eating a certain diet, I'm really bad at moving the goalposts to things that are easier for me, right? I'm great at moving goalposts. I'm really great to be like, okay, diet says this many calories. I'll just add 500, you know? Like, eh, I've been, I've been a good boy. I'm gonna go get that, that little treat that I've been wanting or whatever it is and doing it every single day. And then I'm adding onto that and I'm adding onto that and, and, and it's a slippery hill that moves left, right, up and down. The laws are concrete. There's something that have been set in stone and then Jesus came and he fulfilled and added to those laws. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap things up. I'm going to go ahead and say you guys can get to lunch early. So let's go ahead and bow our heads. So Father God, Lord, thank you for who you are, God. Thank you for um, giving us the Old Testament. Thank you for the context that it gives, the character that it shows of who you are. Uh, and Lord, even if we don't fully understand all of what the Old Testament is, um, or even agree with it. Lord, I pray that we can uh, find some sort of neutral ground, something common, and, and that being the love of Jesus who came to earth, lived a perfect sinless life, and then said, I'm going to go ahead and make a way for these people that I love to spend eternity with me. So God, I pray that you would help us see that in every person. I pray that you would help us to share the cake and uh, that we would have a great Sunday, and amen. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give, that's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.